How do we contend with things that shake our lives and rattle us to the core? How do we do that? When the entirety of who we are and what we believe, can, how, how can those things remain intact when we're disappointed, when we're frustrated, when life collapses underneath of us and we're trying to figure out what happens now? How do we stay intact? We stay intact. You know why? You know how? Because we keep the focus that David kept. Psalm 62 reads like this. I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I can hear Caleb's voice, where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. In Living Translation, it says interlude, probably in a King James Version or a New King or NASB, it probably says Selah. I mean, stop and think about it. Stop and contemplate the words. And then David picks it up and he goes, let all that I am wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and my honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for our God is a refuge. This morning when life is rattling and shaking, I need you to do something. I need you to turn towards the rock. And I'm not talking about prudential insurance. You don't need a piece of the rock. You need the rock. And when you turn to him, he will make all things clear. He will make all things. I want you to do something with me. The next time you're in a situation where you feel the quaking and the shaking, do something. Rest. Don't react. That's what David does. He said, I will wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. The word wait there means to be in silence. It means to be in a place of repose. It means to be in a place of rest. David feels the quaking and the shaking of the earth, the ground, the, the, the relationships, the people, the things around him. And he says, I'm not reacting, I'm resting. I wait quietly for God. Our initial response is, as, as human beings almost always is the wrong one. We can respond in anger. We can respond in frustration. We can respond in fear and worry. And David's response is, is this, I will wait quietly before God. When you find that things aren't as they need to be, aren't as you thought they would be, aren't what you, you, you've envisioned in your mind is how they should turn out, when that thing happens, trust me, the best thing you can do is wait quietly before God. Your flesh will get you to react. Your fear will get you to react. Your, 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 the people around you will try and get you to do something. Aren't you going to do something? No, I'm going to wait on him quietly. I, 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 as, as a church, we've got to learn that there, there's a place there of safety and rest. Listen, we put this, this thing in here a few weeks ago, this, this, this semicircle, and it shows us the, the difference between rest and work. See, our initial response to a bad situation is to try and fix it, to do something. And God tells us, rest in me. I'm the one that can fix it anyway. 
I'm the only one who can handle it. My shoulders are the only ones that are wide enough to pack the load. He says, rest in me. Don't work until I tell you to. And when I give you something to do, you do it, and it will work out. If you just respond because you think you have to do something right now, if you just respond because you think you have to react, if you're just, just, just letting your, your flesh go, and do something, you're going to mess it up worse anyway. Rest in me. The next piece he says is, recognize, recognize your rock. David writes, he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Those are beautiful words, man. Matthew Henry would write a commentary about this, this verse, and it says this, trusting in God, his heart is fixed. If, my God, if God is my strength and my mighty deliverer, I shall not be greatly moved. That is, I shall not be undone and ruined. I may be shocked, but I shall not be sunk. I like that. Or I shall not be much disturbed and disquieted in my own heart. I may be put into some fright, but I shall not be afraid with many amazement, nor to be put out of the possession of my own soul. I may be perplexed, but I'm not in despair. This hope in God will be an anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast. Let me remind you who your rock is. He's higher than you. David would write a little, a few chapters later, when my heart is overwhelmed, where do I go? I go to the rock that is higher than I. When I don't know how life's going to pan out, you know what? I have this sure foundation. When I don't know how things are going to work, I don't know how my family members are going to get out and get through this. When I don't know how the church is going to function, when I don't know how things are going to really become, I run to the rock. He's high. I may be in shock, but I am not sunk. I may be in despair. Second Corinthians 4, you know these words. He said, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, though the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Can I say something to you? This man right here writing these words was directly in the will of God for his life. Because we think if we're in the will of God, everything should be just smooth as silk. We think that everything should just work out. Everything should just be easy and, and, and the, 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 this blessing and favor is going to be on me all the time, everywhere. Everything's going to be great. No, you are in a spiritual battle. There is an enemy who is waiting to take you out. And at a moment's notice, he will pounce. And if you forget that, you will be in despair. You'll be more than perplexed. You'll be more than discouraged. You will find yourself being crushed. Remember that always. This is not fun and games. This is not just religious Christianity where we sit ceremonially in a service on a Sunday morning and we appease our conscience. We are locked in a battle for a human souls. We are locked in a battle for eternity. And our enemy absolutely will take pot shots at us. And he'll absolutely take things and use some of the people we love the most against us to frustrate us, to discourage us. He will do things and, and, and to, to make sure we know he's still there. And if you find yourself in a place of discouragement because of him, that's when he's going to nail you. I promise. He, he lurks, the scriptures say in 1 Peter chapter 5. He, he roams about like a roaring lion. 
I've seen enough National Geographic and other, you know, Mutual of Omaha, Wild Kingdom know how to stink and uh, lion works. And I've never seen one except in a zoo laying around. <sighs> you know, you ever seen those lions at the zoo? They're so, I don't know what, they're, they're just lazy. They get fed everything and they lay there. And every time you walk by the cage, they're just yawning and they're just, you know, laying, you know, like my dog in the backyard. The lions, the lions that, that, that David and Peter and those guys talked about were not those guys. These are guys who wait in tall grass, observing a herd. They watch and they wait and they see who is weak. They see who is young. They see who is frail. They see the ones that are weary. They see the ones who are aging and, and, and just not able to keep up. And they wait and they wait and they wait. And at just the right minute, they come out of the grass with their, their teeth bared, their claws lanced out, and they will take that one that's wearied and worn out and tore down, and they, 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 they'll, they'll make an end of them. They will eat them for lunch. It's good for you to remember in the middle of that moment that your rock is higher. You will not find yourself in discouragement to the point of despair. You might find yourself perplexed, but you don't have to worry about what the outcome is going to be because we've read the end of the book. We win. Well, anyway, The next thing David reminds himself of is this. He realizes the frailty of us humans. There's two places in verses 3 and 4 he talks about that. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. My guess is some of them were people who were very close to him. That let him down. That maybe we know his son Absalom tried to take the kingdom from him. He also says this, I'm like a tottering fence. He recognized that people let him down, and he recognized also that he himself, he himself was not able to withstand the onslaught all by himself. You know what? The true story of us, humanity, is this. I see things on TV all the time, and it makes me angry, if I can just be really be honest. The strength of the human spirit. The human spirit's the thing that's got us in this corrupt mess anyway, man. There's nothing good in you. Devoid of the person of Christ. There's nothing good. The Bible says there's none, there's none good, not one of us. You know, what our, you know what our story is? We are weak. We are broken. The story of humanity is we are frail. We have not the ability to fix the world. We have not the ability to fix ourselves. We have not the ability to fix our families. We have not the ability to fix our city, our community, our nation. We have not that ability. We have not the ability to, 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 to put things back together. It is so broken, none of us will ever, ever possess enough strength, understanding, compassion, wisdom, or anything to ever put it back together, ever. And in the minute you think, well, I'll just fix this. No, you will not fix this. You will fail again. And again, and again, and when you start relying on people to help you fix it, they will fail you again, and again, and again. The only place to turn for anything solid is God, is the person of Christ, is the power of the Holy Spirit. We are broken, we are frail, we need hope, and we need healing, we need help. And that help comes from the Lord. Isaiah 61, Jesus just starts his ministry. He quotes this piece of scripture, reminding us how broken we are. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to those who are impoverished, 
well, I, gotta, I can pay my bills. He's, if you think that's all he's talking about when he's talking about being poor, you are lost to begin with. You have poverty of soul. You have poverty of relationships. You have poverty of wisdom. You have poverty of understanding. You have poverty of emotion. You have poverty of mental capacity. You are not all that in a bag of chips. You are broken. He can't bring you good news. He's not broken. He is wholeness. He is life. He is healing. He goes on to say, he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, put life back together, to proclaim liberty to captives and release prisoners, the release of prisoners. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's good stuff, man. He's not bound by our circumstance. He's not bound by our difficulty. He's not bound by any of that. As we realize we're frail, you know what we have to do? Return to our rest. He goes back to where he started at the beginning. Verse 5, says, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone, not my bank account, not how good I am at my job, not how secure I feel in my marriage relationship, not, not, in, not, not in how comfortable I feel in, 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 a, in a church with other broken people, not, 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 not in, not in uh, whoever, not in dad or grandpa or mom, not, 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 he alone, he alone, he alone. Can I tell you something? I'm weak and frail. Hang around me long enough. I will probably mess you up at some point in time. I will say something you don't like. I will do something really stupid. I am not beyond the brokenness all the rest of us experience. Every leader in this church has a brokenness about them, every one of them. And at some point in time, that brokenness will be exposed. You know why? Later in 2 Corinthians, or right before I read that verse in four, verses 4, 8, 2 Corinthians, he says this, Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so the excellency, the power might not be of us, it would be of him. When I let you down, you know what you need to remember? I'm just a vessel. I'm a broken, I'm a broken pot, man. That Jesus took the Holy Spirit, he put the pieces of this pot back together, he decided to live on the inside of. Nothing special. I'm not super, super holy or super, super wise. Andy Stanley has this saying when he's talking to, he's talking to his staff, he says these words, he goes, he goes, you as a pastor remember this, you're not the smartest person in the room. That'll help you be a better leader if you remember that. I'm reminded of that constantly. I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not the wisest guy. I'm not the best guy. I'm not the holiest guy. I'm not any of that. I'm just a dude who's trying to make his way to heaven, serving Jesus with all my guts. Return to your rest. He alone's my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I, shall, I, I will not be shaken. One of my favorite pieces of scripture is found in Isaiah 43 because it's, it, we used to say there's, there's if-then statements. I'd say this. There's when, not if, statements in the Bible. This is one of them. Isaiah 43, verse 1. It's not, a, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But now, Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says these words. Don't, don't be afraid. I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. If you go through deep waters. What does it say? When, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. None of, us get, none of us get an exempt form to not go through the deep water. None of us. 
If you go through rivers of difficulty, what does it say? Rick Strange used to go to this church. He talked about doing a skit about the Ronco Bible where you could change words if you wanted to. You know, you could just write in or scratch out stuff. I'd like for it to say if, but it doesn't say that. It says when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you'll not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Why? For I am the Lord your God. He alone is my rock. The Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave a ransom for your freedom. Did you know that? I gave a ransom for you. That's more true for us in the New Testament, New Covenant of, of Christianity than it is for these guys in the Old Testament. He paid a ransom for us. The Bible says, if he did not spare his own son, will he not freely give us the kingdom? It says that. If he paid a ransom for us, he's going to see us through. Others were given exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you're precious to me. You're honored and I love you. Do not be afraid. He starts off there and he goes back there. For I am with you. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My hope is in him. He is my fortress, my salvation. I will not be shaken. After you return to your rest... That's talking about what's going on on the inside. Physically, you have to run to your refuge. David writes here, my victory and my honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. He says, pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. He's the Bible Knowledge Commentary says, the psalmist instructs the saints to pour out their hearts before him in continual trust, realizing he is their refuge. And that's a, that's a, that's a Hebrew word, mahesh. And it means their strong tower of refuge, a shelter from danger. So you can't trust me. You can't trust any government office or official. You can't trust people in any way or anything man-made or anything humankind has come up with. It's amazing to me how many times humanity tries to show itself to be so strong and so vibrant and so, so able and so capable. And every time we make certain statements of how indestructible we are, th those very things that are monuments to our greatness somehow have a habit of crashing down. I don't know how. Gotta always make sure that think about the Titanic. You know, not 15 years down the road, maiden voyage. Where does it end up? The indestructible ship. It's laying at the bottom of the North Atlantic right now. A testament of how great humanity is. A monument laying on the bottom of the ocean. Our God can be trusted. His word is true and faithful. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will stand forever. Life may throw you difficult things, and you may come to the realization, maybe you've come this week to how frail and how broken you are, how, how needy you are, how incapable you are, and the God of heaven who started at the beginning, will be at the end, has been everything in between, stands there and says, run to me. Pour out your hearts to me. Pour out your
out your lives to me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can trust me. I will walk you through. I will help you. You may go through fire, and it may get really hot, but trust me, you will not be consumed so long as you walk in the envelope of my presence. You may go through the high water, but listen, I am the lifeboat, and it may rock as you're getting across to the other side, but trust me, we're getting there. That's what he says. The word trust there doesn't mean just to give a mental assent to. It means to believe in a person or a object to the point of reliance upon. I saw a pastor tweet this line this morning. I just hurry up and locked it into my notes. Jesus' works and Jesus' words are a holy knot inextricably tied together. Don't just admire his works. He was amazing. He raised dead people. He healed the sick people. He went to the most broken and loved them when nobody else wanted anything to do with him. He spoke truth, whether it was popular or not. He was everything we want to be. Those were his works. But he says, don't forget, you must trust his words. Matthew 28, he's leaving the planet and trusting some weak, completely fallible, messed up people to carry on his mission. And his final words to them are this, lo. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Trust me, I will be there. Trust me, I'll get you there. Matthew Henry says about this last line, David with a, or this, whole, this whole chapter of Scripture, David with a great deal of pleasure professes, professes his own confidence in God and dependence upon him and encourages himself to continue waiting on him. With a great deal of earnestness, he excites and encourages others to trust in God likewise, and not in any creature. What's these next lines? In singing, in singing, this was a psalm. Psalm were worship choruses that Hebrews would use. Okay, it's worship. It's a worship moment that David's in right now. He's praising God with all of his guts. In singing it, we should stir up ourselves to wait on God. See, this God we serve is still the foundation. He can be trusted. He invites us into community with himself. He's always been there. He will always be there. Our lives might get rattled a little bit, you see, because I can get sidetracked about what's really important. Satan's intention is for me to get so caught up with life that I forget he's there, that I forget there's a reason for my life existing, and I can get sidetracked on paying bills. I can get sidetracked on making phone calls. I can get sidetracked on fixing fires and putting out stuff and doing things like that, that I forget there's a real purpose that I exist, and that's to make sure his name is glorified and that people come to know him. And so at times, Things happen that rattle me, and I have to move things around on purpose so I can remind myself of how good he is and put things back in focus and back in center. I need to bring him back up into the core of where my life is and put my trust in him and make sure that in my home, in my life, he has his proper place. And then when I do that, then other people can join in the the, the glory and the worship of him. I can bring them to a place where they can sit at his table. But if I get sidetracked and I let Satan eat me for lunch, that will never happen. I have to move things around at times. I Sometimes the shaking can comes so that things will get moved around that need to be moved around. And if I don't let him do that, and I don't keep my focus on him, I will be frustrated. I will be discouraged, and I will lose the battle. But if I determine that he is my rock, he is my salvation, he is my foundation, I'm not going down with the ship. 
You can have the Titanic if you want it. Rely on humanity all you want. I got a rock that's higher than that I'm running to. And we're going to worship him together.